0: I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors, to another Tactical Tuesday. Conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business and your professional career growing with us here on Suncast. Today's expert guide is my good friend Tom Wirick. Tom and I go deep today giving away our personal tips on how writing a book or a blog or a podcast or a video or any way that you express yourself and going about building your personal brand is actually not just important for you personally, but for each organization that employs your services. That's right. Tom is one of the industry's renowned leaders in marketing, and he recently wrote a book called We Took the Risk. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend you put it on your list immediately. Tom and I go deep on how he went through the process of writing a book, how a book serves as a platform to both differentiate him in a busy marketing space and stay relevant in a busy market I hope that you will glean insight and harness the power of paying it forward as Tom is doing with his book, Dig In. You're going to love this. I joined Tom in his office in downtown Houston while I was in Houston for Sarah Week. I just wanna say thanks to Tom and the EDPR team for hosting. And if you do like this kind of content, well, you are in the right place. I just want to remind you that this is where you can meet with us Twice a week to level up your game. You can always find the resources and learn more about our guests and their recommendations in the show notes at www.mysuncast.com. While you're at it, go ahead and click subscribe in whatever app it is that you are playing. It won't take more than a second. It'll take another second to click that little star button and give us five stars. And if you give us a review, I tell you, you and the more than 100 folks who have reviewed us help others find this content. For now, let's get down to business, tuning up your skills and your personal brand, Solar Warrior, with another practical, tactical conversation here on Suncast. I think that it probably takes people by surprise that you wrote a book.
1: Uh, Yeah, 100%. And they're still finding out about it. You think uh, people are catching up on LinkedIn watching their LinkedIn's religiously, but they aren't and... They're I still not. get it all the time. I still get, hey, you're not at ACOR anymore.
0: Right. And it's, it's been like over eight, nine years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, as someone who spends a lot of time in media, you and I recognize how a book can be a calling card. And that media 3.0 is exponentially scalable, but only if you capture your ideas and disseminate them. Right? Correct. Right. Right. So there's three main ways to do that in today's world. One is tried and true for years and you've, and you've successfully accomplished it. Write a book, right? The kind of media 2.0 version of that is write a blog. Media 3.0 version of that is what we're doing now. Yeah, doing a podcast. Yeah. The beauty of a book that I as a podcaster don't get to leverage is you get to go and interview with all the others about sort of lever, lever number one. So I am going to hypothesize that, uh, not, and this is not something like an earth-shattering thing, but you've done something as a non-C-level executive mm-hmm. at a company that every C-level executive at the company should be considering. Sandhya and Gustavo have, have oh, they interesting have volumes yeah, uh, of stories and journeys and, yeah. and deal, uh, deal expertise, right, and the whole thing, yeah. There are numerous, we'll link to them. Mike Casey did a great interview with you at mm-hmm, RE Plus mm-hmm. when the book first came out. Talk to me about the premise of the book from the perspective, not of telling everyone's story, but of what we know to be true about the marketing side of writing the book. Okay. So yeah. how are you, Tom Wyrick, mm-hmm. as an energy career professional, leveraging the writing of the book to differentiate your brand in the industry? It's a tough question. I've actually still been, gra- I'm still grappling with
1: it, right? It's, yeah. it's very different to being in a situation of marketing- a book and marketing yourself and your ideas yeah. versus marketing a corporate brand. Yeah, it's very different, and you do face a lot of them are kind of internal demons, right? Imposter syndrome, uh, getting over that. Also, um, validating and ascribing value to the experiences and knowledge and, and knowledge points, right? And the knowledge you're you're pushing out there through the book, right? Yeah, and through the stories and the journeys in the yeah. book. So, I would say from from a marketing perspective, number one, it was um, a great way to also just sit back. And figure out how am I as a marketer? What are the skill sets that I as a marketer can can sell? Yeah. And not only uh, from a personal perspective, but also yeah. a professional perspective, yep. right? The book in many ways is making me a better marketer here at work because 100%. I've realized, okay, this is how um, you, you know, I pitched a lot of concepts in the book, right? This is how you get it out there. This is how you verbalize it. This is how you sell it. Mm. This is how you continue to market it. Right. And, you know, the book also just marketing one hundred one. the book is going to have a long shelf life, right? Yeah. The, when I was writing the book, and when I was putting together the quote-unquote big idea behind the book, I, as a smart marketer, was thinking, well, what's going to have the longest shelf life? I'm um, talking about two or three deals might be smart now. Mm. But in 10 years, as we evolve the industry and, and we get much more sophisticated in, in either financing or in how we innovate, you know, the different technologies behind the projects, right, it'll be big complete, right? The, the stories will be, okay, something part of the future that was cute, yeah. but not as relevant, right? So it is about relevancy and I think marketing is all about being relevant yeah. and maintaining your relevancy in the market. And I think the book does that. It, yeah. it, you know, many people still, as we spoke about before, you know, think of me as that young 20 year old at Acor. Yeah. And we did a lot of great things with Mike and Jody and, and the board at Acor those years. But, you know, as a marketer, I've evolved since then. Right. Mm. And so it is about how am I still relevant to the industry, even though I'm not in Washington, you know, mm-hmm. in the thick of things with Acor, but rather here in Houston, right. With ADPR. So yeah, I think as a marketer, the relevancy part is a, is a key part of it. And that's something I've learned through the book is just maintaining relevancy. And And last but not least, it is this call to action. We as marketers, I think, are are responsible for really developing clear calls to action. Yes. For either the market, for our company, or for our customers, right? And figuring out, okay, what are the challenges out there? And and how do I, as a marketer, uh, take the, the products or services we're creating in a corporate setting and translate them into viable solutions, right? Yeah. The book, in a lot of ways, um, does that for folks, especially those looking to get into the industry. You know, their challenge or is to try to get into renewables and, and do it in a way where they can get a Cliff's Notes 101 on renewables, right? And right. So the book accomplishes that. But at the same time, and, and to end on this thought, folks like me who have been in the renewables industry, you know, I just it dawned on me it's going to be 20 years for me next year in renewables, wow. right? And thinking about that, I, uh, you know, I thought, well, the second really big customer group for this book or um, audience, right, that's going to get most out of this book are folks like me who need that re-encouragement yeah. and to understand they are still relevant and some of the best chapters in the renewable energy industry's history has not yet been written because they still are yet to create that aha moment, right? Yeah. I think- so, I mean, that, that's that's my viewpoint on marketing. I mean, it's, it's relevancy, right? And this book, you know, shouts that out from the mountaintops.
0: Yeah. I love it. And I look at, the, at your writing the book as equivalent to my starting the podcast, yeah. right? I wanted very much to have something as a calling card and mm-hmm. as a, I'll call it a platform, but like a podcast literally is a platform because it, it continues to, to go in that sense. Um, it's not like a book where there's a beginning and an end to the content. Yeah. But I wanted a way for people to recognize me outside of the corporate brand that was on my business card, Correct. right? And I think that, that scares a lot of executives. It scares them because they're worried that somehow it will create conflict. Mm-hmm. And the corporate side of you standing alone as an individual, not right. and frankly, not uh, at an insecurity level, but at an uh, individuality level, 100%. companies don't want their executives to have a personal brand. And they, they miss, I use Steve Wallenhouse as a great example on, I would encourage folks to go look up Steve Wallenhouse. And I would, I would say that you are doing something very similar. He has a newsletter on LinkedIn mm-hmm. that is followed by over 100, maybe 200,000 people now. He publishes once a week. It is on leadership skills. That's it. Yeah. And he's the CEO, by the way, of Weatherology. Weatherology is a weather app. I've used it simply because I follow his LinkedIn newsletter. And I was like, "Ah, oh, I got curious. I dialed down. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's the CEO of this weatherology thing. And I downloaded the app. Like I can only imagine that some percentage, 30, 40% of his leader, of his readers on his newsletter, which has nothing to do about weather, Mm -hmm. are now weatherology app users. It is such a fascinating side door marketing tactic to get visibility to the company that you work for. So I've said this to several people who've asked me about your book. And I say, well, I don't know if Tom describes it this way, so I'll just test this on you. But if you imagine writing a tribe of mentors for the renewables industry, that's what this book is. So, 100%. So tell me about the core idea that you've developed the book, uh, We Took the Risk, around. Mm-hmm. And I'd love it if you could share some of the milestones that you've yep. achieved with the book in the, in the six months
1: since it's Six published. months. I mean, it's, it's been a crazy six months, right? I uh, can't believe it's already been six months. Um, I well, listen, I think, um, you know, when I was writing the book, um, right before I went to manuscript phase, you know, and, and before I had to uh, pitch the publisher and do oh. press, we did an exercise with my developmental editor called The Big Idea. Yeah. What's the big idea? Uh, and I grappled with it. Um, you know, I knew that there really wasn't a, a book about the history of renewables in the U.S. renewables industry yet written, but I didn't think that was going to be, you know, that would be interesting for a certain percentage of the audience, you know, in renewables, but not for the, the new generation, Right. It just wasn't as, I would say, exciting as it could be. So my thinking was, well, let's marry uh, the two gaps in the industry, right, for somebody entering the industry. One, knowledge of the renewables history, right, and and why are things done the way they're done? How did things develop from a policy finance technology perspective to get us to where we are today? And then secondly, uh, and most importantly, to your point, give it that personal connection, mm-hmm. right, which is looking at the history of renewables, you have that as a backdrop, and then you have these characters, mm who came out of the woodwork, right, to create impact. Um, And they came in in different parts of the journey of the the different uh, phases of renewables evolution here in the U.S., but they imparted their impact and they did it all together. And that was also the other thing that was quite telling was all these folks, they all knew each other. They all invested in each other's ventures. They supported each other's policy ambitions, right, and so forth. And so, you know, I'd say the core of this book really is talking about, okay, no matter what renewables goes through in terms of the roller coaster of its history, you know, even the roller coaster we're all experiencing moving forward post IRA, there are a certain amount of traits that are needed for professionals. Now, and, and and these are traits that we need to, I would say, uh, embody yeah. in this next generation coming in. Because as you know, we have more jobs than people right now, yeah. and it's only going to get worse. So, how do we really uh, create a more resilient industry and ensure that the renewable energy industry is resilient and and who it's employing? in the vision that it's empowering folks to have and, and the leadership eventually that comes out of it. So, I mean, that's the, I would say the core thing uh, about this and what makes people really interested are the traits. Now, when I interviewed each of the executives of the book, I interviewed over a hundred executives and only, you know, as a first time author, you're told, you know, it's 80,000 words and that's it. Right. So it had mm-hmm. to be cut off, but you know, between the individualized chapters, which features uh, one executive, right. To the many stories that kind of weaved into, you know, those chapters, uh, example, John Cavalier's chapter also includes about 10 other CEOs, right, that were starting up some of the key IPOs that define our industry, you know, they all self-identified their traits. I didn't coax it out of them. I didn't suggest, okay, here's some, you know, here are five traits that I think are are, are important for a renewable CEO, right? They each basically self-identified themselves and the superpower they had. Now, the interesting thing is, though, they all had many traits. I mean, you know, they had that one superpower trait, but they also had the other traits the other uh, executives exhibited, Right. So I'd say that's the that that was the differentiation. That was, I would say, the special sauce in the book that made that history come alive. Yeah, and also made you appreciate the journeys um, those executives took, knowing you know what the backdrop looked like. Book officially launched October first. I had four launch events across the country had over 590 uh, individuals show up to those book That's launches, cool. which yeah, was Yeah, the one with Nomina got
0: a big turnout. Pillsbury supported you. Yeah,
1: so I had a number of supporters, which I'm really grateful for. Um, Pillsbury was one, uh, Cap Gemini was another one that was a great help. Sia mm-hmm. also was fantastic. Uh, Mercadermite, Will & Emery um, yeah. also was involved. You know, Acor was also involved. I mean, so many people came on the woodwork to support me and really was truly grateful for that. Um, so after the four launch parties in the fall, the book kept on being sold yeah. <laughs> to my surprise. I thought, okay, these launch parties were my were my supporters from the early days. I did yeah. a pre-launch campaign in April, you know, selling over 600 books, which, you know, was a great testament from the industry. These are folks that never saw a word on the page. They just yeah. said, hey, we, we- Six, that's such a vote of confidence. Well, it's a vote of confidence. And, it, you know, my publisher says, these were people saying, hey, I believe in you, Tom Wyrick." Right. Yeah. It's not the book, but I
0: believe in you and you're going to produce. This is yeah. what I tell people all the time. And I've got this feedback for myself as, as someone who's created now 600 episodes, is that people are just waiting for an opportunity to deposit for you. Like they're willing, they're looking for any way to thank you, to Listen, say,
1: I, I believe in you. Pay it forward. Yeah. I, I think that's the one thing. We all pay it forward yeah. in one way or another, right? We either pay it forward by investing in each other's ventures. We pay it forward by mentoring, yeah. right? We pay it forward by setting aside time to recommend and advise and guide yeah. our colleagues. Because at the end of the day, we as a renewables industry, we're not an island to ourselves. We we all succeed or we all go down, right? I mean, that that's that's the way I view it. And you know, one thing that I do that uh, after writing the book, you know, now that I had a little more time, is I have a mantra of every week I spend 15 minutes, and it could be over the phone, over a coffee, you name it, mentoring somebody who wants to come into the industry. Oh wow. And if you think about it, anyone can do that. You know, we all have the the opportunity to do that. And if you do that for one person every week, there's 52 weeks in the year, you just help 52 people come into the industry. And those are 52 people who consider you part of the Rolodex yeah. and they'll remember you 100%. as they grow out their business, right? So yep. it, it's it's about paying it forward. But yeah, yeah. the book launch um, went really well. I, I'm getting close to 3,000 books sold already, which is crazy to keep That's on real. being That's sold. Awesome. The book's been added to a couple uh, syllabuses and curriculums no for various universities and colleges, including... Uh, the newest one is University of, of uh, California Berkeley, the law school just uh, added the book to one of their syllabuses, which is Sweet. an honor. Um, and the audiobooks. So I'm actually narrating myself. No way, are you and really? I'm narrating hitting myself that, the audiobook. That
0: baritone voice in there,
1: you know, love it. Poor people who are stuck in a car for nine hours having to listen to this. Book, I say right? that all the
0: time for my um, podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm really excited. So New Degree Press and I are, are working together. We're, we're doing the audio book. you going to the studio, and, to um, do that. So we they have a studio as a backup for me. Yeah. But they sent me everything. I'm uh, home, mm. and they're like, "Let's I want try you to it." Send me a picture. I want to see what they. Yeah. see. Oh, I, I, I'm see not yet. Picture. I want to see the kit. I, I have the kit. I have the light. I oh, have the, the cool. microphone. And the, you, you know. Everything. I heard someone
0: last night say that was yep. you won some award. Yeah, no, I was very
1: honored. So lo and behold, uh, Dr. Eric Fettel from the American Energy Society reached out to me and he said, well, you know, congratulations. Uh, we want to let you know that your book won uh, Best Biography about clean tech for 2022. Whoa. Which I is didn't just, know that was a category. I didn't even know that was a category. I'm like, that's really specific. Um, but, you know, to get it from the American Energy Society means that much more just because mm. it's not an all renewables group. No. These are people who don't know me. And these are people who I think are looking to transit. I mean, there's so many people looking to transition to renewables. Right. They're basically wanting someone to say to them, listen, I don't care what industries you come from, we're an industry starving for skill sets and you have the skill set we need, come on in, right? Mm, and I love that. It, it goes back to, um, you know, Acre's mantra in, in the early days when Mike Eckhart set it up, he was very intentional in stating we're pro-renewables against nothing, is by being pro-renewables against nothing you're focusing just on renewables on what you do well you don't poke uh, the sleeping tiger in right. terms of traditional oil and gas yeah and it's a positive message and a positive approach and I yeah. think in times like today where everything's so politicized, mm-hmm. going back to those basics of being pro-renewables against nothing is is more important than ever yeah and I a hundred percent attribute that to Mike Eckhart and his you know genius way of thinking and, and setting up that positive message in the early days and and I have to say it's it's It resulted in Acor being successful and Acor still being alive today is that kind of positive
0: attitude about renewables. The tracker market is complex, but you want to maximize profits when installing or specifying tracker systems for your utility scale or large distributed generation solar projects. So use Trina Tracker with its innovative technology that can cut up to 200 man hours. Trina Tracker makes installations easier and faster so you can speed up installation times, reduce labor costs, and lower LCOE to achieve optimal project value. Learn more at mysuncast.com forward slash Trina. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. It's built-in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher Energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, can I borrow your attention for just one minute? How many of you in the residential solar install game right now would really say that your workflow is built to win? You know, in the 2010s, Solar was all about sales. I think that the winners of the 2020s is really gonna be contractors that focus on operational efficiency. See, margins are getting squeezed and there's a ton of competition out there, but everyone has an opportunity to improve. Would you like to know the score of the value of your survey and design process? Would you like to hear about the evolution of the installer workflow? Well, then I would encourage you to join myself and my friend Jason Steinberg from Scanifly next Wednesday, the 31st of May, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Or maybe it's this Wednesday, or maybe you already missed it and you need to go see the replay at any point. You are going to benefit from the insights that we're going to reveal. The benefits of a tech-driven solar ops program, the transition from manual to digital surveys, it's all there. I hope that you will check in, tune in, register, and uh, throw us some hard questions. We always love it in our live broadcasts. Join us May 31st, 2 p.m. with Scanifly. See you there. I'm going to ask you some tactical questions. Yeah. Look, I think one of the most, biggest misconceptions, and I had it for a long time in my career because I was a long time in business development and sales. And now by many, I'm considered a marketer. And having been in biz dev and sales like you, mm-hmm. I didn't look at marketing as sales, which is wrong. It's one and the
1: same. It is. One We're not the same. overhead. You know, that's the way I distinguish right. between us and communications. Nothing against my fellow communications professionals, but for me the clear distinguishing factor is that marketing is not overhead it's a critical piece of any origination yep. or business
0: development That's activity right. yep. yeah. it is yeah. it, it is it is everything from top of funnel to closing the deal literally like marketing is involved in crafting a proposal mm-hmm. marketing is involved in creating the processes that allow scale in right. an organization as well as involved in creating the visibility of the organization exterior. And beta testing. And, yes. You're beta oh testing gosh. how the product
1: or service is described. Yep. You're beta testing the resiliency of that product in the market. You're also um, the canary in, in the coal mine in yes. a lot of ways, indicating to the company what's coming. Yeah, right. That's right. Because customers are directly tied to customers are giving you feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Because marketing isn't one way. I think a lot of people also have the misconception that the uh, especially foam, in right? renewables right. And, and companies, you market out and right. that's it. No. No, it's all about the two way street, yeah. and you know I'm very. Well, lucky. The smart companies well, are setting it up as a two way street. Smart companies are, I think, and that's where I and that's think where you've people done well fail in BP as well. Is that people, uh, especially marketers, they get stuck in the in the daily grind, yeah, and just churning things out, mm-hmm. and they don't take the time. and Listen, I'd be a hypocrite to say I take tons of time <laughs> to look at analysis <laughs> yeah. and sit back and see what the market is selling me. I'd be a total hypocrite saying that, but. It is carving out time. It's a very vitally important, especially as a renewables industry, yeah. it's vitally important for us to sit back and see and get a pulse of, okay, we put this messaging out there, yeah. we put these products out there, these services, what's the market telling us, yeah. right? And I think that's where
0: we as marketers play an important role in this, in this next phase of, of renewables. So as a marketer, you talked about the characters that you selected for the book. How much of the character selection for you involved speculation that those you featured would help you actually like, get the word out about the book?
1: You know, I didn't even factor that in there. No? No. I think for me, I was honored that they
0: would let me mm. use their story in the book, right? So as a podcaster, like I have yeah. to, in the early days, I had to invite, you know, five people to get one. Yeah. How many people did you send out the invite to actually do a, a, some, some, some sort of a screening? 101. 101. And I got 100 responses back wow. saying
1: yes. And the one that said no, said no because they were going through a quiet period because they were divesting yeah. And stocks. how many were featured in the book? Ultimately, it was, I think if you count everybody, including, like I said, the side stories in the chapters about 35. 35. And it was tough. I left, I left a lot of, it was a, a gut-wrenching process. And yes. uh, only one person has come out to me and
0: given me a guilt trip about it, or gotcha. not including them. Well, but I, you know, but. Uh, well, I have two questions on yeah, that. Yeah? yeah. So I've got um, the, what do you think you'll do with the other 70, with the other 65? Yeah.
1: yeah. So I've been asked to write a second book. Gotcha. And I want to take another angle. Of course, I don't want to say, you know, we took the risk too. It reminds me of those uh, choose your own they adventure also took books. The risk. Exactly. They also took the risk, right? Or I mean, I you know, we can do an, an association game, you know, till the sun comes, goes down. But um, so the, the question, the, yeah. obviously I have enough research to do a second book and it yes. would be really easy. Also, though, I, I do want to take another angle. And the question
0: is maybe talking about uh, risk takers today. I think so. Here's a here's a potential yeah. catchy title that has been used before, yeah. but plays off the first one's risky business. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it would be cool to write about something. You some could focus. Now. Yeah. I think you did. So it'd be interesting to think about, we should, I would love to just sit with you with yeah. a whiskey and just like ideate around this concept. Yeah. So yeah. we should do that offline. Oh, 100%. Um, what do you say to the folks who criticize the specific cast of characters you chose? Listen, many times in life, it's
1: all about just following through with something you commit to. Yes. It won't be perfect. To me, I'm just happy I committed to writing this book and it's yeah. out there. Yeah. And listen, if, if you have other ideas on how to, you know, write, write your own book. Exactly. Write your own
0: book. It's super easy. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know, I'm very, I'm very surprised though. I have, um, I've been bracing it. You know, someone told me, you know, writing book is like being an artist. You're, you're torn. You want the piece of art out there, but then when it's out there, you're like, crap, I can't take it back. And you're, you open yourselves up. And I think to your original question about, you know, CEOs of their own brand Mm -hmm. and opening themselves as individuals. You do open yourself up totally. to, it's like being on social media. If you're one of these actors, you open yourself up to all criticism, yeah. and, but you have to understand doing so though. Okay. I committed to this. I followed through. I did it. And whatever comes at me, I can take it on. Yeah. Right. And uh, that, that's, the, that's the attitude you have to take
0: on. It's a, yeah. I think it's character building as well. hundred percent. Because you do have to learn the art of uh, empathizing 100%. with the person providing feedback Mm -hmm. while having the confidence to not let that sway who you are and who is the same person who made those decisions. Like their feedback can't erode your sense of self-confidence about what you chose to do, right? Mm -hmm. Any more than their feedback could erode your sense of confidence or should erode your sense of confidence about the career path you've chosen, et cetera.
1: And there's a, I'm a big believer also. It's, it's a, you know, in life, right, you can't control what's coming at you, but 100% can control your response to things, mm, right? And right. so I'm a big believer of my attitude to things, and not only in this con- context, right, but also work. there's a kernel of truth in everything. Yeah. And you can learn from every experience. So when, you know, um, if and when I do receive that criticism, I'm going to say, let's, let's have a coffee. Let's yeah. really go into it. Tell me why. Tell me, no, you know. Give me examples. Give me, you know, let me take notes on it. Yeah. Um, but that that if that happens, um, I'm definitely in game to do that. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been surprised. I honestly have been waiting for it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just you know not happened
0: yet. So with knocking on wood, yeah. With six months of feedback, what's been the most helpful criticism you've received?
1: Most helpful criticism was that the book was very DC centric, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of the characters were tied to politics and DC specifically, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, the reason why is because, well, from my viewpoint, my experience, right? And, yeah. and for better or for worse. ACORS in D.C. My, well, my story of renewables started that's in right. Washington, yeah. right? Versus someone whose story, let's say, started in Silicon Valley, right? right? Like someone like a Dan Sugar or Tim Dinwiddie yeah. or, or Howard Wenger. Right. Or, and um, were
0: either of those three featured? Yeah,
1: they're yes. in the book, yeah. So, you know, that's one criticism. Another one is, to that point, balancing it out. Did I have enough... The right balance of policymakers versus financiers versus technologists, right? But what is balance? And the stakeholders. What's balanced, right? <laughs> so, I but I mean, there, there's something is, to be said about that.
0: Is there anything with yeah. that feedback in mind that you'd do
1: differently? You know, I, I definitely would balance it a lot, a little bit more from a, a stakeholder perspective. Like I said, the financiers uh-huh. versus, and the technologists, right? I mean, I didn't talk a lot about a hydrogen yet or hydropower, you know, anyone from the hydropower industry, for example, or the geothermal industry where there are amazing stories there. Yeah right? So, or even biofuels. Um, you know, I just spoke Whoa, about Bill Holberg. you know, biomass yeah, biofuels, but yeah. there are a lot of those technology groups where there are stories, right? I, I think back totally. to Poet, right? And Biofuels, the largest yeah. ethanol producer in the country, Jeff Royne and his family has, you know, there's such a story there. Mm. I mean, about um, folks, a uh, whole family dedicated themselves to, this, to a company, right? So that was one thing that I wish if I had more time, I would have, you know, maybe balanced it out. But I you know I don't regret it. I think yeah. uh, I made the decisions I made. And uh, when I was writing the book, the funny, the ironic thing was when I first handed my manuscript to a developmental editor. He's like, um, you know, you're missing something in this. I'm like, what? He's like, you. Mm-hmm. You weren't to your point. You weren't a fly in the wall. You weren't a third party observer. You were in those in rooms. Room. You were in those conversations. You were at those conferences. And I want to have you in it. So yeah. I had to go back and rewrite the whole book include like my story like um, in you know the book is ch- broken up into three sections yeah the first section you know gives you basically the you know kind of the thesis of the mm-hmm. book the history of renewables you name it but there's also a chapter on me yeah from the beginning right and about my experience coming to renewables right. and then like as you go through the second section of the book which is about these executives and their traits right i had to weave in kind of me being there and, and my thoughts and the interactions i had yeah and then the third. Uh, the third section of the book, obviously, is the call to action. And, uh, you know, that's all me. Just saying, okay, yeah. here's what what I've been hearing. This is what I'm thinking. This is what so many of us want to articulate as the call to action, which is to take greater risks. I yes. Mean, we're an industry of entrepreneurs, mm. and we can't, you know, the best thing I've ever heard was, you don't know your future if you don't know your past. And we have to go back to our past. Yeah. We have to be entrepreneurs. We have to take the risk, uh, especially in the day and age when we're being told to mitigate risk, yeah. right, and avert risk and crisis and all that. Yep. I mean, for better or for worse, those are, those are our roots. And I think that's what attracted all these folks originally. And this, that's what's going to attract all the future generations of workforce coming into the industry.
0: Yeah. So I'm here in Houston because of Sarah Week. Those who are longtime listeners know that I came out of 2022 with um, being the most impressed by Sarah Week of any of the conferences I went to. S&P Global runs it. Uh, they do a phenomenal job. I um, met with, um, I won't name who, but I met with, one of our mutual friends last night at the ctlr dinner who said you were right this is a next level conference and no offense to re plus or anyone else doing conferences in the solar industry they're quite different to run an expo and a trade hall trade show this has been referred to as the davos of energy and with good reason john kerry spoke you could list off uh you know rattle off a list of names of the folks that uh, are here that folks you know it's it's, it's all it's eye-popping and jaw-dropping the conversations that are happening here, and as a global utility EDP gets to be in the room. You mentioned Miguel is in a uh, in a breakfast with forty utility executives. Like we'd all like to be a fly on the wall in yeah, that conversation. Yeah. How are you as the head of marketing yeah. thinking about preparing those executives to enter into these conversations? And I ask on behalf of our friend Kathy Heilman, who's you know mm-hmm. working remotely, trying to help Jeff, her yeah. CEO kind of have a sense of a bearing for those that will want to come to Sarah week next year. How yeah. are you thinking about preparing your team and positioning your, your executives at an event that has for years been focused on oil and gas and the expansion of oil and gas?
1: You know, they, they call it the Davos of energy. They also call it um, billionaires row because of all the fossil fuel billionaires yeah. that are in the room. Right. But funny enough, the future of Sarah week depends on its growth in mm, the renewables. Yeah segments. Right? right. So for example, we had, um, our main director for hydrogen and Quellis, in one of the most popular hubs at Agora, which is the innovation component of Sarah week, all about hydrogen. Yeah. Right. Listen, five years ago, if you told me about hydrogen being where it is today, I would have been like, okay, it's a pipe dream, right? Yeah. It's amazing what strides we've made there. Right. I think moving forward Sarah week, um, will continue to expand in renewables and it's focus on transmission build out, right. Because it's, It's these core issues that we all have. It doesn't matter what form of energy you're in. We all have issues with transmission, right? The ITC not being included in the IRA for transmission build-out was a big loss, right? It's a no-brainer. Supply chain constraints will continue to haunt us. That's not ending anytime soon. Um, And, you know, that's due to COVID. That's due to, obviously, um, ethical sourcing of materials, right? You name it. And lastly, you know, we forget... All of our businesses run on partnerships with local communities and permitting siting at the local community level is still going to be a big issue, right? So no matter if you're natural gas, coal, uh, nuclear, renewables, you name it, we all have a similar, I would say those similar challenges. And I think that's the message we as the renewables industry need to be coming uh, to Wick with. It's honestly saying, oh, we're, you know, this is what renewables, renewables is the future. Here's the promise, right? But rather, hey, we have significant and comparable issues that you all are facing. Let's work together on solving those issues, right? Um, I think many, many will agree we can't switch on renewables overnight. There's just no way. However, um, we need to approach the conversation saying, listen, natural gas, coal, it's such a valuable resource. Let's figure out how to keep it valuable, right? And how to also approach things from a more practical perspective by integrating renewables in day-to-day work, right? So for example, um, hydrogen, lots of partnerships with carbon-intensive industries like steel and cement manufacturing, right? Why? Because they're facing the future and they understand mm-hmm. carbon will be valued and they need to do something on it. Same thing with natural gas, uh, gas pipeline operators. Guess what? They're starting to power their substations with solar, yeah. right? So there are these ways, I would say, that we diplomatically can start to really uh, integrate with the community here at Sierra Week. But for anyone coming in, anyone prepping their executives, that's my message, mm-hmm. is don't go in guns blazing, but rather go in more from an empathetic humble yeah. perspective but also co- confident perspective we are the future they know it yeah they know their workforce is leaving in droves come to yeah. renewables right so i'd say go in there with this sense of let's cooperate like yeah. anna's session yesterday was perfect example she was sitting next to the vice president of hydrogen from chevron wow. who was then sitting next to uh the ceo of, of a, a minerals company you yeah. know that's working with hydrogen you know on hydrogen these are players that normally you know unusual bedfellows who would say mm. right but it's where the future is, and I think yeah. that's how we approach Sarah Week. And I think Sarah Week to S and P Global's credit is very yeah. smart in terms of how they're structuring the themes, how they're really, really getting all the different technologies to come together yeah. in, a, in a unique setting. But I hundred percent, Sarah Week is the the Davos of energy, yeah. and anyone that's anyone in energy has to be here. I'll yeah. tell you, last year
0: the energy transition felt like a marketer's approach to A B testing at Sarah <laughs> Week. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you were to walk around last year, it was energy transition. Does it look good in blue or orange? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And on and it was on like a handful of stages. Yeah. This year, it's front and center. Oh, it's it's like uh, almost every every, yeah. every other hour. There's a session on energy transition. You know, I think that next year it will be the main theme of the show, and we have a chance as an industry to come in, mm-hmm. be empathetic, be listeners, and build a bridge and. They're going to, you know, we're going to look back and congratulate the folks in the oil and gas industry Mm -hmm. who took the risk to diversify. 100%. You
1: know, and uh, and now I'm adopted. You know, it's been two years of living here in Houston, so I'm an adopted Houstonian, but I'm very proud that it's here. I mean, Houston is the epicenter of energy dialogue. And we, as Houstonians and as visionaries in the energy sector, the broader energy sector, right, we have an obligation, I think, to set that vision and that tone. And so, I think Sir Week being here in the heart of all that energy dialogue really is is a defining
0: thing. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself, my okay. friend. It's always good to see you. Thanks for inviting me into your offices here in Houston, and look look forward to having you back. You're always show.
1: welcome back. And you know, for all those listening, you know, big Texas, hello and welcome. And you all are always welcome down here to uh, to the heart of
0: Texas. All right. Well, that's a wrap into today's Tactical Tuesday and these practical insights to the solar warrior and friend I call Tom Wyreik. As Tom mentioned, he is the head of marketing for EDPR Distributed Generation here in North America. And I would highly recommend that you go follow Tom on all the socials, especially LinkedIn, where he posts a fair amount. And buy the book, do yourself a favor and do Tom a favor. Yeah, we took the risk. Tom, really proud of you, my friend. Thanks for taking the time to join us. I hope that you'll join us right back here again, Solar Warrior, on Thursday. We've got a great interview with my friend, Franz Hochstrasse. Franz is the founder, as well as his co-founder, Jackie, of a business called Raise Green as we continue to dig in here to climate investing. What is it? How can you leverage it? We'll be back on Thursday with that. And if you want even more content like this, well, we got more than 585 episodes, resources, highlights, and all the other goodies from these discussions, including social media links and how you can connect directly with our guests over at mysuncast.com, click on the show notes or right there in your podcast app. And if you've been wondering how you could partner with us the way SunGrow and so many other world-class companies do, well, that is our sponsor category. You can get in touch with us at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor while you're at mysuncast.com. You could learn how to get in touch with me personally or how to get in touch with our community You'll find all of that, of course, over on the website, which I've already mentioned a few times, so I'll let it rest. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.